baseball fans. It's time to take a trip from coast to coast across Major League Baseball. There it goes, a long drive. If it stays fair, home run. One strike away. Sandy into his windup. Here's the pitch. Swung out and missed a perfect game. Fly ball deep left center. Grissom on the run. Yes, yes, yes. yes, yes. The Atlanta Braves have given you a championship. Listen to this crowd. Braves and baseball talk straight from the diamond. Here's Grant McCauley. Hello and welcome to another episode of From the Diamond. As always, I'm Grant McCauley and it's time for our weekly chat about the Braves. And of course, the Major League Baseball playoffs are in full effect right now. And the Atlanta Braves are making some noise in October. We've got a lot to talk about on the show. Not one series win, but two series wins thus far for the Braves as they advance from the NLDS and now play in the NLCS for the first time in nearly two decades. So we're going to preview that series against the Dodgers and give you a little bit of a recap on what happened in the division series against the Marlins, because goodness knows there was enough stories and enough good stuff going on in there. We need to go back through that and relive the Braves' series win over the Miami Marlins. We're going to do all of that on the show as I'm joined by Gabe Burns of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution to talk all things Braves on this episode of From the Diamond. As always, you can find From the Diamond on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. You can leave a rating and a review, share it with a friend if you'd be so kind. And if you want to keep up with the show on social media, you can find me at Grant McCauley on Twitter, G-R-A-N-T-M-C-A-U-L-E-Y. You can follow the show at From the Diamond underscore. Over on Instagram, I am at Grant McCauley there as well. The show is at From the Diamond with no underscore. And of course, you can find every episode of the show and so much more at FromTheDiamond.com. Well, let's waste no time and get into things and talk about what the Braves have done thus far this October and what they're hoping to do against the L.A. Dodgers. I want to welcome Gabe Burns into the show right now. You can follow Gabe's work on Twitter at Gabe Burns AJC. And of course, he covers the Braves for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And he was fortunate enough to be in the house in Houston as the Braves beat the Marlins to advance to the NLCS. I got to ask you, what was it like, the experience, the Braves winning a postseason series or an NLDS for the first time in 19 years? That's a big deal. But for you, this had to be a little bit different brand of covering baseball than it's been uh, over the last few years or even the last couple of months. Uh, thanks for having me as always, Grant. And it, it was for sure weird. One of the coolest parts of this job with the postseason is, you know, the last two years we got to go, we got to go to LA and we got to go to St. Louis, which are two really good baseball towns. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you see the atmosphere around it, you see the fans, you just, the, the life of it, it just feels like this is October baseball. Whereas this experience, you know, you're in, gloomy downtown houston and you know because of the <laughs> pandemic so much is shut down yeah and you know it's really just a depressing time in america but i mean local businesses are all out around there so it's just really a gloomy feel to it and then you had the first day was okay but the weather the next day it just got dark and you know the hurricane coming in everything so yeah then you also have kind of that aspect of it that you don't even have you don't even have a lot of sunlight. And then you go into the state. You know, there's Astro stuff everywhere. There's Astro stuff on the field when you walk in. Now, obviously, no fans, but the cutouts are all in Astro's gear in the outfield. And it's just a, it's just a very weird thing. And you're looking at it, and you're seeing Atlanta Braves versus Miami Marlins NLDS. And it, yeah. it's just – it was a really weird thing. It was very unique. Like, I'm glad that I experienced it. 
But, I mean, certainly, however weird it looked on TV, it was even weirder in person. You know, people keep talking about, does this feel like the postseason? Mm-hmm. The high leverage moments to me certainly have, just watching sure. on TV, yeah. uh, being there. Even it just feels so different. It, it just didn't feel even the higher leverage moments. I mean, they felt big, but just just have the little crowd noise and be. You know, I was sitting down the first base line in the auxiliary press box, and you have like a table, and then there's glass that was kind of separating everyone, and we're distanced, which was kind of nice because, as you know, the press box can get pretty tight sometimes for pre-pandemic, sure. for especially sure. in the playoffs. So having your own space is really cool. Uh, I mean, it was cool in a weird way and in a sad way but the bottom line is the Braves went out there and under these weird circumstances they beat a team that they should beat and uh, looked pretty good doing it yeah I mean they beat them soundly and that's something of course we're going to talk about a bit on the show I just kind of want to get the backdrop of it with you know a lot of folks may not realize how much of this season has been covered virtually I mean sure you see some of the zoom footage on you know, whatever highlight show you're watching or MLB Network or, you know, Fox Sports South, if you're watching postgame or pregame shows for the Braves. Yeah, there's a lot of Zoom that's going on. But not only that, but, you know, folks weren't traveling this year. This was not a big, hey, you know, jump on a plane and follow the team around as they play in the different cities, even though it was fewer cities. So a lot of this has been done truly remotely just across the board for the majority of people covering the game this year with a few exceptions of, you know, folks that might travel with the team on a regular basis or just kind of cherry-picking trips that you might want to take. But by and large, folks are really having to just embrace the circumstances that we're in and do the virtual thing. So it's been very strange. So as people have lived their lives in a much more virtual manner over the last six or seven months, trying to cover sports and be as connected as you were has not been nearly as accessible or as easy as it's been in the past. And I would imagine, not to get off on a huge tangent here, it's kind of affected the way that the sport has been covered in ways this year that, you know, we might be unpacking for another couple of years. It's just very different, and it might change some protocols going forward as well because people might feel like this was a little bit easier to handle than the way it was before. So who knows how this whole thing's going to play out? No, I agree. I think this is going to change the way the sports are covered, uh, not just baseball, but, you know, we'll see about basketball because their situation is really unique. Yeah. Obviously, the NFL is being covered differently, too. So it's definitely a different time for, for those of us who are kind of behind the curtain. And and this bubble thing, I mean, I'm here in Arlington now, so we'll check out Globe Life Field in a couple days. But yeah. the thing in Houston, you know, that was actually my first trip to Houston. I like the city, and I actually really like the ballpark. Yeah. Uh, but certainly it's a weird deal, you know, when everything is Astros and you walk out, you're, you know, I'm walking to the – my hotel was – 10-minute max walk from the ballpark. So I'm walking to the ballpark, and I'm walking there later than I'm like, – normally we go there a few – you know, hours. Quite a few several hours, hours yeah. Before they get, yeah. And then this time it's just – I'm going, you know, an hour, a half hour. I mean, I could go 10 minutes before, and it wouldn't really make a difference. So I'm going over there, and there's no – you know, there's no energy. You know, there's no fanfare, and – when I'm leaving the ballpark, and I leave the ballpark around an hour and a half, two hours, something like that, probably after interviews wrap up, and you leave the ballpark, and then there's still really nothing going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, uh, it's just, yeah, it was very weird, but the most important thing is that it's working. We're into the Final Four, and mm-hmm. barring a disaster, it looks like we're going to get through this, so... Yeah, and hopefully we will. And that's the big thing about it was the effort that's had to go into making this thing happen. 
you know, the scenario and put it in play where they could, you know, bring all these playoff teams together, do the neutral site thing. I know that's not ideal, but I understand why they're doing it. And I'm interested to see how it plays out as we move forward. Because, of course, as you mentioned, you're in Arlington, and that's where the World Series is going to be as well. So if the Braves can handle business in that series, or the Dodgers for that matter, they will spend another week in Arlington. So we'll talk a lot about that series, that matchup, and, of course, get your impressions on the Dodgers as we look at the NLCS. But I want to spend some time on the NLDS because there was a lot really to look back on and to take away from that series as the Braves continued their ride through October. A three-game sweep for the Braves. And now they will meet the Dodgers for the second time in three years. Atlanta, though, is very different this time around. I think we saw some of that in the last couple of series. They're not just happy to be here at this point and happy to be a nice surprise. The Braves have raised the expectations of not only the team as they've gone through this, but also the fan base the past few years. So in this division series, Atlanta once again received standout performances from the pitching staff to keep the Marlins in check. The offense took care of the rest. And we went into this series, Gabe, kind of wondering if that pitching was going to be able to replicate anything close to what happened in the wild card round against Cincinnati. And man, these guys delivered both in the starting rotation, especially in the case of a couple of youngsters, and what the bullpen was once again able to give the Braves. That was a huge part of winning this series against the Marlins. You played five games, and Max Freed and Ian Anderson have started four of them. And they've looked damn good doing it. And then you had Kyle Wright, and, you know, he looked shaky there. Next thing you know, he's pitching a shutout. This couldn't have set up any better for the Braves, just with the way their guys are pitching, starters and bullpen. They haven't had to dip into their biggest weakness yet. They're going to have to do that this series. But at the same time with what you just saw with Kyle Wright, you know, you hope that he's a little sharper early against L.A., of course. But – you're not feeling nearly what you were about this rotation that you were, you know, six weeks ago Yeah. when it was like they could get knocked out immediately with this group because this is just terrible. Then you have Freed hurt, and it was just it was just one thing after another. And now we're looking at it, and it's like, okay, we can get by with this. And that's where they wanted to be, and not only get by, but, I mean, just dominated two teams. And, look, I'm not going to claim that the Reds and the Marlins are exactly the toughest road to the NLCS. Sure. But when you haven't been there in nearly two decades, who cares? And who cares anyway? Right. Um, you know, the Dodgers beat the Brewers, who had no business being in the playoffs anyway in their first round. You know, I mean, they beat the Padres, but the Padres were shorthanded. So, you know, not everyone's going to have to beat the Yankees in the DS to move on, you know. So um, the Braves took advantage. And what you wanted to see, was, what I think is really important, too, is they played two inferior teams. Okay, I know a lot of people picked the Reds, whatever. They yeah. played two inferior teams. They were sizably better than these teams. Mm-hmm. They, didn't, they didn't slip up. Like, okay, the Red series was close. But when you, go, when you go back and look at it, I can feel comfortable saying that the Braves were a better team. Yeah. We knew they were better than the Marlins. But at the same time with Atlanta postseason history and whatnot, which we've been over and we know these players don't care about, but you still wonder, is there a chance they slip up against this team that seems to have some kind of Cardinals-esque postseason magic to them where they never seem to lose a series? But the Braves looked a lot better than them. And they are, but for them to have shown it and for there not to be any slip-ups and, you know, really get that moment in game one when it was four to one, was really the only time it felt in doubt um, any of these games. So 
Uh, I mean, it, really impressive job by them. You can only beat who's in front of you. And exactly. they didn't just beat them, but they just showed off doing it. And uh, that's got to be big for their confidence. And to stress the point that you made, asking this question, this is not the same team from a couple of years ago. I mean, they've won since that Dodgers series, which we know they were clearly out-talented and outmatched. They've won two division titles. They've played in three postseason series, and they've won two of them. Yeah. And they've got guys like Marcelo Zuna, and their bullpen is a whole nother stratosphere compared to it, how it was in that last series. So it's going to be tough, but certainly what they've done so far is the best Braves postseason run in two decades. Yeah, and that's it's easy to say. And as you look back and think about the teams that the Braves have put on the field since 2001 when they beat the Astros, oddly enough, in the National League Division Series, swept them away. You know, the Braves have gone through a lot of different versions of that club because it was around that time that the AOL Time Warner merger was going on. And a lot of folks may be like, well, what does that have to do with the Braves? Well, Ted Turner had transitioned out of power with the club. And so the spending of the Atlanta Braves started to be reined back just a little bit between 2000 and, of course, 2003 and four. And then you saw the payroll go down precipitously as the club was then sold off. And, of course, Liberty Media came into ownership of the Braves some years ago now. We've seen spending go back up there, but there's a lot of things that have been going on in the backdrop. And for longtime Braves fans and people who are really dialed in on it, they may not necessarily care how that sausage is made. They just want to see the best teams they can on the field. But there's been a lot of stuff kind of going on in the background. But the Braves have been able to have some good seasons, have some winning years, you know, produce some talented players, clearly, and find their way back into October quite a few times since 2001. Of course, they finished off the run of 14 in a row, capping it in 2005 and even 2004 with a couple of improbable division titles, but weren't able to advance in October as folks have become accustomed to. I mean, they made five trips to the World Series between 1991 and 1999, of course, winning in 95. So, so many different things, I think, go into the background for the average Braves fan or the longtime Braves fan. Even when you look at a series like this, against the Miami Marlins in a bubble in a weird year in 2020, it still meant an awful lot to continue to win postseason series, to get back to the NLCS, and, of course, to take this thing as far as they can take it and kind of to circle back to what we were talking about briefly about the difference between now and 2018 and maybe really any year between 2001 and 2020, this team does feel different just based on their expectation, their level of play, and, of course, what they have accomplished in two postseason series, regardless of who was on the other side. They had to beat some very good pitching in Cincinnati, and they had to be very much on their game to make sure that their whole apple card didn't get upset by a Marlins team that would have been more than happy to do so. No doubt. For this organization, you know, you, you kind of went through the timeline there, but for the fans, the city, the organization, you know, I understand that making the NLCS is not like – I mean, you don't get a ring for that, right? Sure, sure. So it's not – I mean, you're in the final four. It's great. I mean, it's good. But, you know, it gets old when you're like the Dodgers and you're like, okay, we're here, but we have to win the World Series. So, yeah. you know, it's like the Philadelphia Eagles and they kept going to all those NFC championships, but they couldn't get over the hump. So, but still saying that, given where this organization has been and the monkey on its back that was just simply winning a postseason series – for them to have done it in this fashion to win two of them, you know, I mean, I know it was the best out of three. It's still a postseason series. So to win two of them 
finally move past that. I, I just think that's huge just for the psyche of everybody involved. Yeah. I can't really overstate how important it was to just move past that so that you can be disappointed with NLCS appearances, right? So mm -hmm. if you never even get there, you're not going to be – this franchise is trying to get to the point where it's like the Dodgers where if you get eliminated in the NLCS, the season was a, just a total bust. Like that's just not good enough. And, you know, right. like the Yankees – they couldn't even get to their chance, and they're sick today. I'm sure. Um, they're going to be sick for a while. Oh, for sure. And and they haven't even been to a World Series in 11 years. That's another discussion. Yeah. But for them to not even make the championship series is just completely unacceptable to them. And the Dodgers last year not making it was completely unacceptable. And at this point, the Dodgers are World Series or bust. I know that the Braves continue to say World Series or bust. That's the right mentality to have. They yeah. should say nothing else. But if they were to lose this series, I think they still made a lot of positive steps this season. And no, it wasn't a true success because there's only going to be one team that can say it had a successful year yeah. is the bottom line. But you want to get to the point where just winning, just getting past the NLDS is not really considered any form of success to you that you just want to keep going forward. So I think from just establishing standards and expectations – this was pretty big for this team. Yeah, and I think it was interesting hearing Freddie Freeman be able to discuss it much more so than a Ronald Acuna or an Ozzy Albies or a Max Fried or an Ian Anderson or Kyle Wright or anybody basically at the age of 25, 26 or younger. They don't have the same kind of, I think, awareness of maybe a lot of the narratives that were surrounding the Braves because these guys are young in their career. Sure, they may have watched the Braves throughout childhood or growing up or adolescence or even in college or whatever for some of them, but they weren't paying attention to it or weren't living through some of these moments the way that Freddie Freeman has. I mean, keeping in mind that he came along at the very end of Bobby Cox's tenure with the Braves. Then, of course, you had some disappointment in October that particular year. 2011, the club collapsed down the stretch. 2012 was a wild card game. 2013, they get bounced out of the division by the Dodgers. Then you go into a rebuild. And then, of course, we can fast forward to 2018, and everybody knows the story from there bounced out of a couple of division series the last two years, this did change the narrative a lot. And I think that that was a phrase that Freddie Freeman used in his postgame, I believe after winning this division series against the Marlins. But at some point in the last week, Freddie Freeman said something about changing this narrative and being able to create one for themselves. And that's exactly what they've done this October. So that, I think, is something that's a relief for the team in certain ways, but probably more of a relief for the fans to see your club not only get to October, but have some serious strides and to have some success in October again, that is going to be something, regardless of where this ride ends, that the Braves are going to be able to build on as they move forward as a tangible step forward. And postseason experience, especially for some of these younger players, is, is going to, I think, infuse them with exactly what they need as they look to take those next steps moving forward. Of course, no one wants to talk about moving forward. We want to talk about this particular October so let's go back to that division series where, yeah, we always focus on Freddie Freeman or Ronald Acuna Jr., maybe Ozzie Albies or Max Fried's been a big story this year. But while there is no division series MVP, if there was, I think it's pretty safe to say it would have been Travis Darno. The Braves catcher batted 600 with a couple of homers and seven runs knocked in in a three-game sweep. He was locked in at the plate. He was also, Gabe, locked in behind the plate as he guided this pitching staff, particularly Ian Anderson and Kyle Wright, through this series. Now, the Braves lineup is powerful, it's stacked, and I like to use the word sudden to describe how quickly they can put up a big inning. They proved it again in this series, and Travis Darno, 
What did you see from him, and how impressed were you with what he was able to do? You know, they couldn't have imagined when they signed him that it was going to work out the way it has. Mm -hmm. Uh, You could say the same thing about Marcel Ozuna. You know, the funny thing is, is Ozuna put up MVP caliber numbers, okay? Like, like we we believe Freddie Freeman should be the MVP, and I think he will be. But Marcel Ozuna would be right there, and if Freddie had gotten hurt or had just underperformed a hair, I mean, who knows? Maybe Ozuna is the guy. Maybe, you know, Freddie's not taking those votes from him, but when you look at what Darno has done and how he has impacted the team and how he has handled these pitchers and these young guys, I mean, you could say that he was even a more valuable free agent pickup than Ozuna was all things considered, which is pretty crazy. I mean, you could, that you could even argue that, but he's been so big from a leadership standpoint. One thing this organization's really good at is finding the right people to fit in the clubhouse. And I know that there's people who, and you know, about clubhouse chemistry, you know, what what does it really matter? What does this matter? It, it, a lot, a lot, a lot, big time. And this guy, you know, when you lose a guy like Brian McCann, his leadership and just the intangible effect that he has, for you to have substantially upgraded, I didn't see that one coming. And there were signs that Darno had really found himself in Tampa. And obviously they do such a good job with players there and getting Man. the most out of everybody. Oh, yeah. And for him to be healthy, too, I think this is the first season that he's been healthy in quite a long time. So, I mean, he looks fantastic. The Braves have to be just over the moon thrilled with him and over the moon that he's on a two-year deal, too, you know, because he would be in for quite a payday this offseason had that only been a one-year deal. So, I mean, all the credit to him. He thrived on this stage. You know, he's been here before. He's managed some really talented young pitchers in New York um, when those guys were really getting going. And now he's doing it here. It it was just – Oh, man, they you know what? They had a really good offseason. We, we kind of hammer them for the Cole Hamels thing. I mean, look, they missed that, but the rest of yeah. their offseason was really, really good. And, I'm, and I give Will Smith sort of a pass for the regular season, just given how he started and everything. And now you look at him, and you're starting to see the guy you Huge. paid the money for there. Too. Huge. So give Will Smith a lot of credit for how he's done this postseason. And the Braves offseason haul just looks really good. I, I mean, just they really knew how to – supplement this core with the right guys from the outside and you know now they're four wins away from the world series because of it yeah it's huge and will smith is a part of that and i think a very welcome sight to see him pitching the way that he is in this postseason of course with what travis darno has been doing that was a big part of the braves winning that series over the marlins he just came through with a lot of big hits a lot of long home a couple of long home runs for him and it was just the guy that was making it all go and it's interesting when you look at that Braves lineup, you know, one through nine, really. I, I think you could put that Braves lineup against anybody in all of baseball, including the team that they're about to face, the Los Angeles Dodgers, who have some pretty serious firepower and also some very experienced guys in the postseason when it comes to that whole deal, which I think means a lot. But the Braves have to be feeling pretty good about where they're trending offensively, especially after getting over the hump in that Red Series where they had to face some really tough pitching. They face some tough pitching in the division series with the Marlins in a couple of occasions and give them some credit. The Marlins played a couple of those games close, but the Braves were able to find the runs they needed. Solo homer from Travis Darno was a big part of one of those wins. Of course, Dansby Swanson accounted for the other home run in that game two victory, two to nothing. But the Braves were out there spinning shutout ball four times in their five postseason games. That's just not something that we're accustomed to seeing. And when you're starting to talk about Well, the 1966 Orioles, who, by the way, were beating the Dodgers and Sandy Koufax's last year in the World Series, 
for the 1905 New York Giants. Yeah, they hadn't even moved west yet. Christy Mathewson's on that pitching staff. And all of a sudden, the 2020 Braves are matching the exploits of clubs like that in the postseason. I know it's different times, and, and I know it's been a strange year, but like you said, six weeks ago, could you imagine that the Braves pitching staff was going to be doing anything close to what they've put up this October so that we'd be starting to invoke the names of World Series winners from 50, 60, 115 years ago? It's wild, and this is what they needed. And, you know, the offense, it broke out in a couple of those games, but like you mentioned, I mean, three of those five games were really were tight. So they really needed that kind of pitching. And <laughs> I don't even know. Like, it's just, uh, that's baseball for you, right? You, Who could have you, expected? We, we spend all year talking about what a mess this pitching is. And then they go out and they're setting records with shutouts in the postseason. And they've got this team right there for a pennant. And you, you look at this offense, that's obviously complimenting it. Really, the offense carried the pitching for the majority yeah. of the year, and now the pitching, I wouldn't say it's carrying the offense because the offense still has been pretty good in spurts, but the pitching, it, it definitely carried in the Red Series. So when you look at the remaining four teams, okay, a lot of people thought the Yankees had the best lineup. Well, they're gone. And Houston's lineup is good. You know, it's not really what it was for <laughs> for whatever reasons, but it is a good lineup. Tampa's got a solid lineup. The two best lineups remaining are in this series, and the Dodgers were the one team that outscored and outhomered the Braves this year. Yep. Uh, they outhomered them pretty comfortably, but they outscored them by a run. Right. That's a wash. So uh, I think the Braves had a higher team OPS. I don't think it's necessarily going to be high scoring because these teams have pitchers who can who can you know, keep this thing low, but it's going to be really fun to watch these two uh, offenses uh, rotations and bullpens go at it. There's a ton of interesting matchups with this. Yeah, there's so many different aspects that we can look at when you start to size up what the NLCS might uh, offer for both Braves fans, Dodgers fans, or just baseball fans in general when it comes to sizing up two teams that I think are maybe a little bit more equally matched than you would imagine. Now, I could totally be wrong about that. The series could be lopsided one way or the other. As you put it, that would be baseball. But when you do look at the numbers, these are two clubs that enjoyed a lot of success some similarities this season, and then have been wildly different. And of course, the postseason has shown us a different side of the Braves pitching staff that makes you feel better about matching up with a club like the Dodgers than maybe you did in 2018 when you had a lot more question marks and a lot of growing to do in the case of the Braves at that time. In this division series, though, plenty of drama, not just on the field as far as winning games was concerned, but around Ronald Acuna Jr. and the Miami Marlins, which is no surprise. He had some big moments in the NLDS, of course, a big leadoff home run, he had his wheels on display again as Acuna has been one of the elite runners in all of baseball. He showed that off again. But now both he and the Braves get to turn their attention to beating the Dodgers and putting away maybe the bad blood that was in the background of that prior series. To me, Gabe, Ronald has been really big in October in his young career and the small sample size that we have. This, though, feels like this might be a series and an opportunity for him to truly capture the attention of the baseball world if he comes out swinging and doing Ronald Acuna Jr. type things against the L.A. Dodgers in an NLCS. Absolutely. You know, Fernando Tatis Jr. said about a week or so ago, he said that you really, you make a name for yourself in the playoffs, and this is what you're known for. Mm -hmm. This is what matters. Nothing else you do matters. And he's right. It's the same reason why we talk about how Trout can't get there. You know, the best player of our generation can't even get to the playoffs. I think he had one hit in the one series he played right. in. 
Acuna already, <laughs> I mean, he's played in so many more. Uh, what is he at now? 13 postseason games, maybe? Um, thereabouts, I'd have to check. It was around there, 13 or 14. Trout's played in three. So you can't, you can't take this stuff for granted. And he has really uh, made the most of his postseason opportunity. I mean, he had the Grand Slam in the first Dodger series. Uh, he's one of the few guys who actually looked up to the task last year. And then this year, he's just a guy who is going to impact the game. You know that when he gets that hit, he's going to steal second. He gets that double, he's going to wind up scoring. I mean, he's just – he impacts the game in so many ways. His energy, I think, is so big for them, especially without fans and kind of given the – look, I mean, it's a playoff game, so you're going to have adrenaline going and whatnot, but I still think that just the energy from him and Ozzy, I mean, that does nothing but help. Right. Uh, when it comes to firing guys up and just all around, you know what the Marlins, I don't know. I don't know if he intentionally hit him or not. I mean, it's happened a lot. I, I understand why the Braves were fired up about it. Sure. Uh, you know what? You don't really hear these stories about teams like the Dodgers and the Rays and, you know, these, these teams that are consistently winning now. And, and you just don't hear these stories about how they're throwing at people because they're too busy winning games. Right. So exactly. I'm like, you know, like this is, a storyline that surrounds the Marlins instead of winning postseason series. So I, I'll just leave it at that. Right. But man, to see how he fired those guys up and see how he kind of really advertised himself on Twitter with it, with some yeah. of those gifts or, or tweet, he had the Dame Lillard gift waving them home uh, when they eliminated them. That's what baseball needs. That's what baseball needs for a younger audience. Acuna is the perfect guy to attract uh, younger fans. And for him to be doing it now, it's on national TV. People can see uh, just how fun he is, how yeah. fun this team is. Uh, this team is definitely underappreciated nationally. That's just the way it works. But a lot of fun to watch. I'm good for him. And he's if there's one guy you know that's going to be up to the task of the Dodgers in a best of seven, it's going to be him. Yeah, he'll be fired up. He'll be properly motivated, that's for sure. But when you're talking about a young kid, 22 years old, with a 300 average, 400 on base, 600 slugging, and it's 14 career playoff games now as of beating the Marlins in this three-game series. Ten extra base hits in those 14 games. He can steal some bases. He's drawn walks at a rate that's double what his career number was coming into this year as far as his walk rate in general is concerned. His game continues to grow. And whether he goes two for 11 in a series against the Marlins and they can beat their chests about, hey, look, we actually can get you out. He still scored four runs in that three-game series and hit a monster home run. And Really, all of that drama did was fire up, I think, the rest of the Braves team, even if Ronald didn't go on a home run binge for the rest of that series. That emotion that you're talking about is hard to capture without fans in the stands, I think, sometimes to provide a lot of the backdrop for that, the soundtrack of October. So that energy and that momentum, you want to be very careful with what you're giving the other team as far as that bulletin board material is concerned. It's already there. It's been there for a while, I think, between those two teams. The season series was pretty lopsided for the most part between the Braves and the Marlins, but now we shift our attention to something that's a lot bigger than personal rivalries. It's a rivalry between the Braves, who want to be one of the best teams in the National League and have been trying to make a case for three years, and the Dodgers, who come into every single year, as you put it, World Series or bust. That's their hopes. I mean, they've gone through a couple of trips to the World Series that did not go their way, and I know in Atlanta we talk a lot about the disappointment of not winning a World Series in a very long time, 1995, 25 years ago. But keep in mind, the Dodgers have not won the World Series since Kirk Gibson was busy homering off Dennis Eckersley 
in that iconic moment back in 1988. So there is substantial motivation for the L.A. Dodgers, not to mention the money that they have poured into this team over the last couple of decades, especially to get themselves to the World Series and win one. So as you line these two teams up, the Braves, I think, a pretty obvious underdog in this particular fight, but one that is very well equipped, I think, to match up with a club like the Dodgers. And another guy that's going to be key to that, of course, for the Braves is going to be Freddie Freeman. And I know he hasn't had a big postseason, a big series in either one, the Reds or the uh, Marlins and the DS. But from what I can see, the bats are still good. He's hit into some bad luck. He's still drawing his walks and getting on base. He's making plays out on the field, which is also huge. So, Gabe, I think it's really only a matter of time before Freddie Freeman starts doing those Freddie Freeman-type things that he's been doing for the majority of this season. And they're going to need it. You know, they're going to need the best from him, from Ozuna, uh, from Acuna. Uh, I mean, they're going to need – there's no – you can't slip up. You can't have these opportunities slip away with guys on base or just have one messy inning. You know, you go down 4-1 to against this team, it's a lot different than going down 4-1 to against the Marlins. For sure. So, I mean, there it's definitely – there's less margin for error than there was in these other two series, and that's the big thing. Um, there have been times this team has not played the cleanest. Uh, but, I mean, they I mean they know this. Duh. They, there's going to be an extra little oomph against this team than there would be against the others. And, again, yeah. you have it for the postseason, but this is the best team in baseball, and they're routinely among the top three, two teams in baseball despite not winning the World Series. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you win eight consecutive division titles. They've been to two World Series. Uh, they lost the crazy one to the Astros that, in hindsight, they shouldn't have lost. Correct. And they lost to the Red Sox, who were like – the. Well, <laughs> I mean, that team was just ridiculous. Um, and then, you know, last year they wound up getting upset by that Nationals team that had that staff and, and wound up winning the whole thing itself. So they're as battle-tested – and experienced as it comes. They're as talented as it comes. They've got two former MVPs in their lineup. I think the Braves have an MVP in their lineup uh, and a future MVP in their lineup. So uh, they're certainly one of the few teams who can match that kind of firepower. You know, are we going to get, you know, in game two, are we going to get Ian Anderson versus Clayton Kershaw? Because if that winds up being the case, that's going to be fun. Um, yeah. just to see, you know, a kid going yeah. up against the greatest pitcher of the generation, you know, so that's a, that's a fun little matchup. And I, and I don't doubt that uh, Ian will be up to the challenge too. So there's a lot of little stuff like that. Um, Max Freed versus Walker Bueller would be just awesome. And, uh, you know, Kyle, I'm, Kyle Wright, I'm sure knows Walker um, from Van, knows him from Vanderbilt. So Dansby too. Yeah, and Dansby, too. So there's, there's a lot of little storylines in this one, but I, I think that these two – I'm not going to tell you these two are the best teams remaining because Tampa's really, really good, yeah. and uh, they would slot into that equation somewhere. But, these, when, you know, when you look at the course of the last two MLB seasons, despite what happened to this team last year against the Cardinals, I, I mean, the Braves and Dodgers have been the best two teams in the NL the last two years. Yeah. So for us to get to finally get this matchup, and it's a best of seven at that, uh, it's kind of been a long time coming, and if you're if you're a baseball fan or a sports fan in general, you should be really tuned in for this because, unlike the other series where everyone's going to root against the Astros, this one, you know, <laughs> you know, if you're just watching it, it's going to be really fun to dive into. And these are two big fan bases as well. The Braves, of course, yeah, have sure. built their fan base across TBS for the better part of what three decades or so, and of course the Dodgers have been 
really a, a household name for a very, very long time that could you know, date all the way back to you know, well before anybody was selling TV rights. So they've done pretty well with those as well from what I can see the last few years. But either way, we're talking about well-known, well-established brands that are no strangers to October, most certainly, and really no strangers to one another when it comes to that as well. I talked a little bit about Ronald Acuna Jr., of course, Freddie Freeman, some of the other bats in the Braves order. Of course, Marcelo Zuna, Ozzy Albee is going to be big. Dansby Swanson had some big moments once again in October, which he's shown a penchant for doing. The lineup is set and has been one of the best scoring teams in all of baseball this year, right up there with the L.A. Dodgers. And as you look at Atlanta's pitching staff, and we go back to what exactly the Braves have done so well this October, four shutouts in five postseason games. That's the most in franchise history. And if they throw one more, they're going to tie the major league postseason record set by the 2016 Indians, which had a pretty dynamic pitching staff itself. But the Braves have done on the mound more than we could have imagined in October. They have a 0.92 staff ERA that's going to be tested by this Dodgers team. There's no way around that. And in ways that we haven't seen yet, I think the Dodgers are going to push the Braves pitching staff because of their lineup construction and, of course, the guys who are in the lineup and the experience they have. Another stat that jumps off the page, though, to me, is the home runs allowed in the division series. Oakland allowed 12. Houston allowed 12. The Yankees allowed 11. The Rays allowed 10. The Marlins, 5. The Dodgers now, just 2. The Braves and Padres each allowed one home run in the division series as far as pitching staffs are concerned. We keep hearing the very obvious stat, I think, about out-homering your opponent being a harbinger of winning games. But the Braves and the Dodgers have both been pretty stingy with the home run and told you the Braves' ERA is just under one. Well, the Dodgers' ERA is two in the postseason as well. So these are two clubs that are matching up in all kinds of different ways that should make this, as you put it, an NLCS worth tuning into for baseball fans. No doubt. And, you know, look, the Padres were shorthanded. I mean, they lost two Cy Young caliber pitchers. But, I mean, their offense was, was in decent shape. Uh, and the Dodgers did that to him. So they still, you saw the, everyone saw the Bellinger play when he robbed Tatis of the homer. I mean, this, this team, you know, like the Braves, they do everything well. Uh, they, they can limit the home runs. They, they have a, they have crazy depth. I mean, they've got guys like they can't even slot into their rotation yeah. with, you know, a two, three ERA. I mean, it, that's perhaps the biggest difference between these two teams is the Dodgers' rotation depth against the Braves's. Because while these teams can match up against each other at the top of the rotation, the Dodgers have a very clear advantage um, past that. Now, how much will that factor in is another story. But these offenses can slug. But the thing is, you know, the okay, so the Braves face the Reds. That's a team that struck out a ton. They're really relying on the homer. They don't hit for average. And then they face the Marlins, who are kind of that peskier lineup that doesn't have a lot of power. Well, the Dodgers are a lineup that doesn't strike out. They are pesky. They can be pesky, like that Marlins team was, and they hit a ton of homers. So they're really all the good you can take from the other teams that Braves face them. The Dodgers do all of it. Yeah. I mean, this is where you want to be, right? I mean, it, it, you know, you want to be the best. You have to beat the best. Is something that everyone's throwing out there on Braves Twitter and whatnot, and it's true. Like, this is where you want to be every year. You yeah. want to be sitting there against the Dodgers and the NLCS. You have to pass this you test. You have to pass yeah, this exactly. test. Yeah, exactly. And, and if you don't do it this year, then the goal next year, we have to get to the World Series, and that's going to mean beating the Dodgers. And you know what? The Braves' GM, Alex Anthopoulos, he was with the Dodgers. 
him. He was with them before he came to the Braves. A lot of what he's done to build the Braves is in a similar image to the Dodgers. And I get there's a huge payroll advantage the Dodgers have over everybody else. But when you really look at their team, uh, the best chunks of their team are really drafting, developing, and whatnot than it is. Look, they got the Mookie trade done, and they can afford to extend him. You know, they'll be able to afford to extend Bellinger and Bueller and all of these guys, and that's a huge advantage. But the core of their team was really scouting and development, which is where every team should be. Uh, so they're kind of doing a lot of what the Rays do on a much grander scale, too. So uh, not as creative, but uh, like the Braves, since Alex has been here, these are kind of similar teams. They're teams that have a lot of young star players. They're teams that you expect to be in the playoffs every year. I think now we could confidently say over the next several years, depending on how things develop, but the expectation to not make the playoffs is completely inexcusable for the Braves, right? Right. I mean, regardless of how the rest of the league shapes up. So now you're getting to the point where you're starting to build toward those same expectations. And I think, you know, whatever happens this year, this team is in good shape moving forward. And let's put it this way. This will not be the last NLCS that these two teams play in the coming years. Yeah, I don't think it should be for sure. And these are two clubs that the Dodgers have kind of been the cream of the crop for a while when it comes to the National League. And, you know, their record certainly backs it up. The trips to the World Series back it up. They have not been able to win the World Series yet. And, of course, the Braves have just been trying to get not only through a rebuild not too long ago, but not just about getting to October, but staying in October and getting that long run. And, of course, getting back to a World Series, every player wants to get there when they report that first day of spring training. In fact, these guys spend most of the winter kind of working their way towards being ready for it and getting ready to hit the ground running in spring training and get into October. That's what everybody plays for. That's the big, the lights are brightest. It's the biggest stage. And for the Braves, these first couple of acts have been very good. But the biggest act, of course, is still to come. And if you pass that one or get through that one, then the grand finale will be the biggest of them all. So we'll see how that uh, pans out when it comes to the Braves and the Dodgers. I want to preview them just a bit on this, not get lost in the numbers and, and whatnot. I think we've done a pretty nice job of sizing up, you know, what the Braves are looking at and what the Braves have been able to accomplish thus far. Lineup versus lineup, of course, we know there's a lot to like about what the Dodgers had going this year. And for people that may not have followed them as closely, kind of down years from some of their big names. Cody Bellinger, uh, he didn't even bat 240 this year. You had Max Muncy, you had Jock Peterson, both hitting well below 200. Then, of course, you insert Mookie Betts. That was a highlight for him. He put up MVP caliber numbers in his first time putting on that Dodger blue. You got a big season from Corey Seager, who was finally healthy. Justin Turner looked pretty good again this year. And then you've got a lot of different interchangeable pieces in that Dodgers lineup. And I think this is something you point out a little bit earlier, but it bears repeating. You know, The Braves have been trying to fashion their roster much like the Dodgers have with some of the versatility and some of the ability to move names around in the lineup and change out those pieces. And that's something the Dodgers do as well or better than anybody else in baseball. And that's something that the Braves staff is going to have to deal with. And when you look at the Dodgers pitching staff, as you pointed out earlier, rotation depth is advantage Dodgers. you got Clayton Kershaw, who's one of the best pitchers of all time. You've got uh, Walker Bueller, who is, I think, establishing himself as one of the best young pitchers in baseball. Dustin May has exploded onto the scene this year. Julio Urias has been, I think, very good this year as well. And so the Dodgers rotation is going to look a little bit different, a little bit more battle-tested than the Braves do. But numbers-wise in the postseason – You can't argue with the results by the Braves, but this is now 
a best four out of seven series game. So that means that the Braves are going to have to plan beyond the first three games, which we know Max Freed, Ian Anderson, Kyle Wright. So let's talk about the game four scenario a little bit and the plan for that. As we saw, Waskar Inoa and Bryce Wilson added to the postseason roster for the NLDS. So obviously it's down to those two in my mind. And I think they may use both of them to cover some of the innings in that game four and maybe turn it into a bullpen game because the Braves certainly have the arms to do that. Enoa feels like the choice for me to at least start it out. But who do you think gets the nod? And how do you see the game four scenario playing out for the Braves? Well, you hope your back isn't against the wall. Right. Obviously, you don't yeah. want to be down 0-3 period regardless of who's starting. But, I mean, I think it's going to be Enoa and Wilson piggybacking. And I say that because you don't know how you're going to get there. Yeah. We saw what happened with Freed and his start. You know, you normally expect him to pitch deeper. This Dodgers team can really chase guys. And, mm-hmm. and you know, we saw if, if Kyle starts the way he did against the Marlins, there's a chance the Dodgers just have him down four runs and chase him out. And then you're dipping into your bullpen. So I think really the best plan to kind of tentative plan would be to just hope that you can ride those guys for a good bit. Just just factoring in what you're going to need from your bullpen before that and after that. So, I mean, things change as the series goes on. So there's no real certainties. And, you know, Snit loves saying we'll see how we get there and, you know, different this and that. But it does look like the game four plan is probably going to be a Noah and Bryce Wilson. It, that's really a wait-and-see scenario for me, but I know a lot of Braves fans were curious about it. I think that clearly, given the staff that they have and given how they've used that staff in the regular season leading up to this, that Waskari Noah would be in line to, if he doesn't start, to throw a chunk of innings in that game. Bryce Wilson did give you some things, I think, to feel a little bit more confident about in his final games of the regular season his final appearances and his opportunities to pitch at the big league level for the Braves but the bottom line is this is a guy that has not made a start now in over three weeks and a guy that has not you know been able to really take the mound in any kind of competitive environment that would you know mirror a regular game let alone a playoff game in quite some time so these are some untested commodities that we're talking about and I think Gabe that that would make Braves fans obviously and understandably a little bit unnerved at what that might look like in game four. No doubt. I mean, that could be a turning point of the series. And I I really do. I think that these teams are close. And the biggest difference is the Dodgers pitching depth there with the rotation. But, again, we'll see how it unfolds because I don't know how much that's actually going to come into play. Yeah. uh, Depending on how long the series is and whatnot. But, I mean, no, definitely – Braves fans have a right. To, if you're down 2-1, for example, heading into that game four, that's going to be nerve-wracking. You know, you don't want to be in that position, but you don't want to be down at all. So we're kind of stating the obvious here, but it's going to be big for this team to get one off of Kershaw or Bueller. Uh, again, we're yeah. stating the obvious, yeah, yeah. but look, I mean, they dealt with Trevor Bauer. It, it didn't go well for them. Right. Um, they wound up winning the game, but, uh, I mean, he, he got the best of them. They've seen some good pitchers. You know, they got Sixto. You know, he kind of finished, man, but then he pitched really well against Chicago. So so they got him. They've, they've seen some really good pitchers here. So this is nothing new. They've seen Kershaw before. Kershaw dominated them in that playoff series a couple of years ago. They got yeah. the best of Bueller in it, though. Mm-hmm. So it's been a while, but they have to take one of these first two games for sure. 
again, I feel like we've been kind of stating the obvious throughout this conversation, but you go down 0-2 against the Dodgers, and they're going to be smelling blood. Oh, for sure. And I think the biggest thing about it, when I look at overall, you're going to have to face these big names and these proven commodities that the Dodgers are going to run out there to start the games, particularly Kershaw and Bueller and you know, you could really kind of just look at the others and take it as it gets there. But as you pointed out, you're going to have to win on the day that those guys pitch, and it can be done. It took 13 innings to beat the Reds, who were not nearly the offensive powerhouse that the Dodgers are, certainly, but the Braves were able to keep throwing zeros up on the board, and they've done a very good job of that throughout the postseason. To expect some regression or just to expect that, hey, this Dodgers team is just a lot better offensively, and a lot better on the mound than either team that the Braves have faced thus far in the postseason, you're going to have to understand that it's going to be a totally different battle for the Braves. But there have been some things that they have done this postseason that match up quite favorably to give the Braves a chance to win those tough games and to maybe just outlast those Dodgers starters. But it is going to be asking a lot, not just of Max Fried, but also of Ian Anderson, as you pointed out. Of course, Kyle Wright, who went 13 days between starts, came out a little bit shaky against the Marlins early on. That may not play against the Dodgers, but the way that Wright was able to steady himself and work those final three innings especially, maybe that kind of momentum and that kind of experience that you have now under your belt is something that will just lend itself to a little bit more confidence for Wright and perhaps adjusting the game plan a little bit based on what his success was against the Marlins as well because baseball is that constant game of adjustments. But I like what I saw overall from Kyle Wright. have to love what you've seen from Ian Anderson thus far. And then as you look at it, for Max Fried, he's going to once again have the burden of really trying to set the tone for the Braves in the series as far as on the mound is concerned. He was dynamite in his Game 1 start against the Reds. Got knocked around a little bit by this Marlins team, which seemed to, for whatever reason, kind of have his number a little bit this year. What do you look for out of Max Fried, who, of course, a Los Angeles kid growing up. I'm sure he's watched his fair share of Dodgers games. Very familiar with Clayton Kershaw's work, even though those two won't square off necessarily against one another for sure at any point in this series. But this has to be kind of a unique scenario or situation for a guy like Max Fried to line up playing a Dodgers team in October. That has to be both a thrill and, of course, a very tall order for the young lefty. No doubt. It's a thrill for him, I'm sure. It's got to be a dream come true of sorts for him to be, you know, he probably dreamed of pitching for the Dodgers as a kid. Sure. And now, to, you know, to go up against them on that grand stage, I mean, it's got to be a pretty cool feeling. I mean, he's going to have to look like he did for the most of this year. And, again, I, that's kind of a dub, but with him and Ian Anderson, I mean, they can't afford to throw away one of those guys' starts given the rest of the group. So mm-hmm. it's – oh, man, they got to be, really be on this. This is a whole nother level. And it sounds crazy because this is a team that has won two postseason series. But it just feels so different when you're and – and I'm not meaning to just, like, diminish the Reds or the Marlins, but it feels so different when you're going up against a team like this than those teams sure. who the Braves, and, and, you know, a rarity in recent years, had more postseason experience. I know that some guys on the Reds have obviously been there, but the Marlins didn't have many guys who had been there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's kind of a rarity for the Braves because we keep talking about how they're the – you know, they're trying to get this postseason experience. Well, they have it now. And they're going up against a team, again, that has more of it, but the Braves have enough of it that experience really shouldn't be a conversation here um, necessarily. I know the Dodgers have been a lot more, but the Braves now are a totally different team. It's going to be a really good series, and they're going to need Max Freed to just be that Cy Young caliber guy that they saw for most of the season, and, and I don't doubt that he's going to be up to it. 
Well, let me ask you this one as we kind of wrap up our discussion, our preview of the National League Championship Series, which, of course, we found out is going to start on Monday night. Braves in prime time on the East Coast. 8.08 is the first pitch. So Braves fans can rejoice for not having to watch their team play at noon or at 2 in the afternoon or even the dreaded 4 p.m. spot that, of course, uh, was possible as well with the scenario of the LCS. But that aside, as you look at lining these two teams up, we've talked about offenses. We've talked about the starting rotation. Let's talk about the bullpens for a moment. Braves bullpens allowed one run this postseason. They have been outstanding. It has not just been, hey, the final couple of guys trying to cover the seven, eight, nine. We've seen standout performances from guys like Tyler Matzek. Uh, we finally got to see A.J. Minter get a little bit of action. He's looked like he's completely rejuvenated this year. And then you start talking about your Chris Martins and your Shane Greens and your Will Smiths and your Mark Melansons, the guys that you totally expect to be there pitching the big high leverage innings for the Braves. But it has really been a group effort out of that bullpen. It's been an outstanding group effort at that. I look at what the Dodgers have going on in their bullpen. They've got no shortage of great arms, but there's a little bit of a conversation about the reliability of their longtime closer, Kinley Jansen. That changes the dynamic at least a little bit late. And if there's one thing that I can say to kind of bring the Braves offense back into the fold here as we talk about battles of the bullpen, the Braves have been very opportunistic when they finally get into opposing teams' bullpens We've seen a lot of late-inning rallies with this club over the past few years, and that was right there in the middle of the mix and part of their DNA again in 2020. But if I look at Battle of the Bullpens, I feel pretty good about what the Braves have been doing, the staff that they have, and their ability to keep games close and turn leads into wins. I think that's advantage Braves. Where do you weigh in on the bullpens between the Dodgers and the Braves? Well, they're both really good bullpens. I mean, the Dodgers have a really, really strong bullpen. But as you mentioned, I think one one area that the Braves do have an advantage is just simply ninth inning certainty. The Braves really know who their ninth inning guy is, and they know how to get to him. And if they need to sway away from that, they can. But for the most part, they've kind of had the right formula this postseason, and they, and they really know what they're doing. Yeah. With just all, yeah. I mean, Snit deserves credit for that. I know people like to blast him over bullpen management. I actually I think he's done a pretty good job for the most part. Yeah, I mean, the Dodgers' bullpen is good, too. It can match up with the Braves. I mean, you give the advantage to the Braves, of course, because of how they've been producing this postseason. I don't think any bullpen should really be considered better than theirs right now, given what they've done. But the Kenley Jansen thing is big. He's a guy who he almost blew that game to against the Padres, and he has not been the same guy. And you look at the numbers, it's not like, he's not like he stinks. It's not like, mm-hmm. you know, this is true rich person problem here. For but, sure. You know, will they turn to Joe Kelly in the ninth? He came in, he relieved Jansen. He issued a walk, but he wound up getting out of that game. And, you know, is that a guy they're going to turn to in the ninth? But it's bad for them because if they're nursing that one-run lead going into the ninth, like you said, this is a team that can really feast on the uh, opposing bullpen. And if it's, if it's a guy like Jansen or if they have to go another direction, I mean, the Braves can certainly get through. And then there could be a couple blown saves in this series looking at it that way. But I do think overall the Dodgers do have a good bullpen. It's just the question of who they're going to turn to in the ninth. And for that, the Braves have an advantage because they have a pretty clear plan with their bullpen. They have a lot of different guys who can serve a lot of different roles. And with the way they're pitching right now, yeah, these bullpens are close. The Braves have a slight edge. But, I mean, think about the bullpen still left in this thing. Like the Rays, everyone's throwing 100. You know, yeah. and then you've got these the Dodgers and Braves bullpens. I mean, it's out of the the final four. Those, those three. I mean, that those are really really strong bullpens. 
They definitely are. And as I look at the batting splits for the Braves, just the way this team has been able to just put up some big numbers. And there's something on baseball reference. If you go and look at the 2020 Braves, click on the team batting splits, a stat called late and close. And late and close is defined as plate appearances in the seventh inning or later with the batting team tied ahead by one or the tying run at least on deck. And when you look at the list of Braves' top performers in there, you won't be shocked to see Dansby Swanson's name right up at the top. Dansby Swanson is batting 500 in late and close scenarios. That does not shock me. Travis Darno second on that list. Marcelo Zuna, also Adam Duvall, appears pretty high on that list. But when you think about key performers for the Braves and all those late and close moments, and I know that this is some social media discussion that we get to at times about whether or not clutch is really a thing that you believe in. And I understand it's a mythical thing, but also there's some statistical trends that will let you know if a guy's coming through when you want him to in those kind of situations. But when the Braves have needed him more times than not, I would say that there aren't too many guys I can pick on that team that I would rather have an opportunity in a, in a big inning, not saying he's the only guy, but an opportunity to do some damage late in the game than Dansby Swanson. I'm going to pick him as my X factor for the Braves in this series. I know we can talk Acuna and Freeman and Ozuna and the whole Braves lineup, but I think this is also a big opportunity for Dansby Swanson on a big stage in the big moment when the lights are the brightest and when everything's the most tense it can be in a game. He seems to be that guy that comes through for him. That's what you need to win titles, right? Absolutely. So, I mean, Dansby is not one of the four or five, you know, best hitters in this freaking lineup. I mean, it's, it's so good, but you have a guy there who, just comes through when you need him and is up to the moment. And that's what championship teams have. They have guys who are not, that they're not relying on their absolute best guys to do everything. You have yeah. to have guys like that. And, and that's not a knock on Dansby at all. It's a credit to the Braves lineup depth that he's not one of the top, top, top guys in it. And for him to perform like he does in the clutch and, you know, he, he hits the two homers in the last series, you look at the blueprint for how to win this thing. Now that the rotation is kind of where it has settled where it is, uh, do the Braves not have pretty much every ingredient you really need? I think so. Um, yeah, I, I mean, so for them to have reached this point, yeah, I mean, you're eight wins away from doing it. I mean, you have a rotation that you can mostly trust if you still feel good about Kyle Wright, and I don't think he's done anything to say you shouldn't. I mean, that was a credit to him, you know, the way that he got through it in his last start. And you mentioned it, it's huge for his confidence. And you feel good about Ian and Freed. And then you have, you know, the league's best or second best offense. You have the best or second best bullpen. I mean, you you just keep looking at this and you're like, wow, this team was really well built. And you know what? They can look at all of that and say, we belong here. Not only belong here by the numbers throughout the regular season, but how things have come together in this postseason. When you start breaking down the National League and putting the Dodgers in one column and whoever was going to meet them in the NLCS in the other column, the Braves belong here. No doubt. And I think that, you know, as sports fans, we enjoy the stories of the wild card team and the underdogs sure. kind of coming out of nowhere and going into the World Series and, or winning it or whatever. But we can also enjoy when the two best teams in the league you know, are facing off because from start to finish, I think it was pretty clear who, you know, you could say the Padres, you could debate that one. I'll I'll, I'll give you that. But I mean, for the most part, certainly over the last two years, as we mentioned, these have been the two best teams. 
And I, th- I think that's the best series. You know, you look at what's happening in the American League, the Astros, of course, you know, everyone's rolling their eyes. They have a losing record. They wind up back in the ALCS. Right. Yeah, and I would not say, uh, you know, had the Astros played the Yankees, I think the Yankees would have eliminated them. And, you know, they beat the A's who were better than them. They beat the Twins who were better than them. So it would be a nice story if it wasn't the Astros. But they were not one of the two best teams in the American League this season over the long haul, whereas in this situation, I think you're, you're seeing the two best teams that the National League has to offer. So this NLCS is an opportunity for the two best teams in the National League to meet and decide who's going to go to the World Series. I think we've laid out all of the different pieces across the board as to what it's going to take for each club, what the strengths are, maybe what the weaknesses are, or where it might just be a push between these two teams. So let's get to series prediction time, Gabe. I'm going to do the most Atlanta Braves thing ever as far as following them for a number of years, and I'm going to continue to predict good things for them, but I'm going to predict that they're going to be pushed to the absolute limit. I'm going to say Braves in seven in this series. Do you have a prediction? Do you want to go on the record with your prediction? And if so, what is your prediction? I love it. Um, I mean, I would go the Dodgers in six, and here's the thing. It wouldn't surprise me if this thing – wound up flipping in the Braves' favor. Mm-hmm. Not at all. I, I just – I feel like – I've kind of felt like from the beginning that this was just the year that the Dodgers get it done. Uh, it's just kind of a gut feeling, and I'm not, I'm not going to stray from that either. So I, I think I'm picking a Dodgers-Rays World Series. Okay. But certainly um, I wouldn't mind staying in Texas a little longer and covering, sure. <laughs> covering the Braves in the World Series, and they're really – and they're capable of it. So I, I think it's going to be a really good series. I think it's going to be – even if it winds up being even a five-gamer in whichever team's direction, it's going to be a bunch of close games. It feels like one of those series that one way or another is going to be really close, even if it only went five, which yeah, I don't think that will be the case. You know, I, The more I've looked at it, I definitely think six feels right for whoever wins. Yeah. Um, like If you told me the Braves wound up winning in six, I wouldn't be surprised either. So, yeah, it, it's going to be a really close and fun series. I'm leaning the Dodgers uh, in six, but – you know what? I mean, for the Braves to, to be here and competing with them now. Um, and you know what? If, they, if that winds up being the case, they'll tell you that this season was a failure. And again, that's the right mentality to have. But uh, it was still big in a lot of different ways, just for building credibility and really establishing this franchise. So, And if they wind up going your way, then uh, they'll be facing either the Astros or the Rays in the World Series. And you know what? You look at those matchups with those teams, not to get ahead of ourselves by any means, but certainly uh, we could be looking at a, a world champion in Atlanta. I don't know that I should say that. Uh, <laughs> look, I don't know look. that I should say that out loud, but hey. Sure. Let's put all the positive energy in the universe that we can. For most of the listeners on this podcast, they're tuned in wanting to hear, like, what's going on with the Atlanta Braves? What do we need to know? What can you tell us about our team, you know, and what this series looks like? So, I want to be as transparent as possible with I wouldn't pick the Braves if I didn't feel like they didn't have the chance to beat this Dodgers team. But I think if they do it, this is not going to be running away, throwing shutouts and three or four of the wins and just marching right through the Dodgers until the next round. That kind of thing, I think, has built the Braves confidence, shown them that they can compete on the high level on this stage. But now it's a new test and the biggest test that they're going to face save whatever happens for the next round if they can get to that because the World Series, I think, changes the dynamics of just about anything you could possibly think about for any series that you're going to play. That's why it's the last one. That's why it's the biggest one. And that's why it's the one that is hardest to win as well. But 
in LCS. I like the Braves' chances. I like the way they come into this series. I like the way they've played in this October. And I'm very cognizant of the fact that the Dodgers are a great baseball team. They've been a great baseball team for a long time. And as you pointed out much earlier in this episode, World Series or bust. Freddie Freeman said that back in the spring. Dodgers have been saying that for the better part of, what, five, ten years or more, just with the group that they've had or a lot of the group that they've had about trying to get over that hump and win that series. Because, again, Braves last won the series in 95, and the Dodgers last won a World Series in 1988. So either way, these two teams are trying to end rather long droughts. You do flip it over to the ALCS side, and I did want to get a quick, I guess, series prediction from you on that. And I'll let you in on a little bit of a secret for folks that have known me for a long time. I have been predicting or requesting a Rays-Braves World Series for a long time. That's when I did all my media stuff with folks before the year and I was asked for a prediction. I said, I'm going with the Tampa Bay Rays and the Atlanta Braves in the World Series. And, of course, people were like, you're nuts and I don't believe anything you say and we're going to move on and that's fine. But it certainly feels like we're knocking on the door the possibility of my Rays-Braves World Series that we're looking at. As everyone knows, the Houston Astros, for whatever reason, I don't know what the explanation of it is, are trying to play a redemption story or a victim card or both as they march through the playoffs on the other side of the bracket. But I would love to see the Tampa Bay Rays halt that story right there and punch their ticket to the World Series, if nothing else, than to do us all a collective favor. Yeah, there's not going to be many people rooting for the Astros outside of the Houston area. No doubt. I feel pretty confident saying that. Um, A little background on me, I guess, because I'm probably a little bit biased here as well, to be honest. I'm from Valdosta, Georgia, and I spent a lot of my childhood going down to Florida, um, seeing family and whatnot. And uh, some some people listening probably know this, but I'm a huge Tampa Bay Bucks fan, and uh, I've always rooted Florida Gators fan. I've always rooted for the Florida teams. And I was a Braves fan growing up. My All my family were, were Braves fans. So that was the team that, you know, I loved and watched every day and fell in love with baseball and sports watching. But I've always had a soft spot in my heart for the Rays, too. And I'm always going to, you know, support them and, you know, want them sure. to do well. And I hope that they can get the stadium deal done and stay there. And You know, also all the credit in the world to them. I do think they win this series. I, I don't know if, if I'm, I'm saying that with my heart or not. I, I just I do think that they're better than Houston. Um, Houston, you know what? I mean, credit to them for being here. You know, I mean, I don't, I mean, it's hard to have any respect for them, right. uh, but they do deserve credit for, for making this point considering they lost Cole and Verlander. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they're, I mean, it's, it's impressive. Nonetheless, you have, what was it? Uh, what were they? 29 and 31 in the regular season. Yep. And you'll, uh, they knock off two teams that, you know, like the Braves have had their have had their share of postseason nightmares, especially the Twins. So they knocked off. They took advantage of two teams that um, just really struggle on on the biggest stage. But that's still that's a it's still a good lineup. I, I mean, we make all the cheating jokes, but they still have a good lineup, and they're still battle tested, and they're there. So I like the Rays in six. I picked the Dodgers and the Rays in six for a Dodgers Rays World Series, and. We'll see where it goes, but a a Tampa Bay-Atlanta World Series uh, would be a lot of fun, and I I think that one would actually uh, probably mean mean a little bit more to both of us. Yeah, it definitely would. And, you know, I grew up, obviously, a Braves fan, you know, living my life in Georgia and rooting for them since about the time that I learned how to walk, it seems like. But in my professional career, I got to start with the Atlanta Braves on the radio side, and then I got to go cut my teeth in the Tampa Bay Rays organization as a minor league play-by-play broadcaster, and – 
it, it was a very cool experience, and it was very much not just the minor league side of things and kind of starting to you know see how the baseball organizations work and see what makes everything tick and and how everything from a player development side is done, but being in a Tampa Bay organization that had just come off of the World Series and was starting to build a winning culture down there, that was a big deal for them. And it was cool to be in right toward the start of that. I started working for them in 2009 and did four years in the minor leagues there through 2012 and was at their spring training home throughout the spring and and got the opportunity to meet and be around a lot of people in that organization. Got a lot of respect for them, quite obviously, and have enjoyed watching them have success when they do and would love to see them get to the World Series again as it's been a little while for them as well since they shocked the world way back in 2008. But that's kind of the background for me. I just had a lot of fun working for them and, and love to see them do well. So if you can line up the Rays and the Braves in the World Series, obviously I'd love to see the Braves be the one that wins it, but I would feel awfully good for some of the people that I worked with and around and, and a team that I've enjoyed just following, if nothing else. So that would be a World Series for me that would probably – uh, be right up there at the top of my list. And clearly, if I've been predicting it for a few years, then it must be at the top of my wish list. But I don't know if it's the top of the wish list for TV networks that are trying to break ratings records. But I can tell you from working in this industry where ratings are obviously a big deal, I could not care less about that aspect of it. Give me a great World Series. Give me those great storylines. And, you know, we'll let the fringe fans figure it out as we go. I think it's okay to have at least one World Series that doesn't involve one of the major market, you know, long-time teams, because it's good to have parity in your sport. And that is the end of my rant, and I'm putting away my soapbox now. Look, you don't want to be like the NBA. I mean, I watch a lot of the NBA. Uh, I'm a basketball fan. I, I love the sport. But there's no doubt. I mean, you might as well contract 20 teams. You know what I mean? Feels like it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're just the same guys are going to the same places. And it's like, okay, well, now Miami's a destination. LA's a destination. New York's He's like, yeah, we know. We know that these guys would rather play in Miami than Minnesota. But the beauty of the other sports <laughs> is, you know, Green Bay and Pittsburgh thrive in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And, you know, St. Louis thrives in baseball. So, you know what? If it was about ratings, wouldn't we get Yankees, Red Sox, Dodgers, Mets every year in the Final Four? So, maybe. <laughs> so you know, I, I think certainly a Braves Rays World Series for the people who enjoy the sport of baseball, yeah. I, I think. Yeah. And, you know, Dodgers race, too, for that matter, would be really, really good matchups. Yeah, and let me just say to Braves fans who are listening to this podcast, I appreciate if you've made it this far, number one, on this episode, because we've covered a lot of ground and gone over a lot of different things, and I'm, I'm wrapping this whole thing up now. But do not let that ratings discussion take one little modicum of the enjoyment that you're having out of your team being in the postseason and advancing however far they go. I know a lot of people get really upset about it or just fired up, if you will, when it comes to the ratings discussion and why the Yankees or the Dodgers or the Boston Red Sox, whoever have got to be in the world series for Fox to be happy or for whoever to be happy. That's airing the world series. Well, that's great. That may be what they want. That doesn't mean that that's what fans of particular teams that work very hard in regular season and make their run through the playoffs are even thinking about. So put that to the side, enjoy the ride. And hopefully for the Braves, that ride will continue throughout the NLCS and maybe take them to that next step. I know we both love to see that. So once again, Gabe, appreciate all your time. I've enjoyed talking about all of this with you, and uh, we'll reconvene as we continue this run through the playoffs and see exactly what the Braves are able to do against the L.A. Dodgers in the NLCS. First time the Braves have been to one of these in 19 years. So Braves fans, please do enjoy it. And Gabe, as always, I enjoyed talking about all of it with you. For sure. Thanks for having me. You know, it's 
I'm looking forward to our next conversation. You know, it's October 10th, and we've got the NLCS going on. We've got SEC football on the TV right now. It's a good time of year, man. It absolutely is. So enjoy your time out in Texas. And what do you say? Bring us home a few more wins from the old Atlanta Braves Professional Baseball Club. (laughs) We'll see. Well, that'll wrap us up for this episode of From the Diamond. As always, you can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Leave those ratings and reviews, and please tell a friend. That helps out the show so much, and it is very, very much appreciated. You can follow the show on Twitter at From the Diamond underscore. I am at Grant McCauley, G-R-A-N-T-M-C-A-U-L-E-Y. And Gabe Burns is at Gabe Burns, A-J-C, on Twitter as well. On Instagram, the show is at From the Diamond. I am at Grant McCauley. And, of course, you can find every episode of the show and so much more at FromTheDiamond.com. So the Braves are heading to the National League Championship Series against the Los Angeles Dodgers. That is happening Monday night with a first pitch of 8.08 Eastern time. Hope you're tuned into that. I hope this episode of the show has gotten you ready for it. It's the first time the Braves have been in the NLCS in nearly two decades. Let's hope they make this a very memorable trip as the Braves look to continue their October magic against the L.A. Dodgers. We have reached the end of our time on this episode of From the Diamond. For Gabe Burns, I'm Grant McCauley. We will catch you next time. So long, everyone.